Thanks for joining us. My name's Ian Stroud. And my name is David Malone. And this is Hyperland. So, Ian, how are you today? Tired. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to ask. I thought today I'd like to talk about the anniversary of the 11th of September. Uh, 9-11? Yes, but not that 9-11. 9-11 before 9-11 was also the anniversary of when Salvador Allende was overthrown and died. Um, He was the duly elected, democratically elected president of Chile. And this year is the 50th anniversary of his death and the accession of Mrs. Thatcher's bestie, uh, <laughs> General Pinochet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I thought Alan Day was 1971. 73. 73, was it? Oh, okay. He was elected in 70. Right, um, right. And then, yeah, September the 11th, 1973, uh, he was overthrown. He was uh, overthrown and killed. He died. He? Well, yes, there, there is the thing. He died of a gunshot. And one version of the story is that he shot himself as he realized that the forces opposed to him were closing in. Yes. He was actually holed up in the presidential palace with some of his um, closest bodyguards. Sorry, the, pa- uh, the penny's dropping. Um, this, there were recordings of his last words, weren't there? I think there were, yes. I've never heard them. But yeah. um, So he died, and one version is he shot himself because yeah. he didn't want to be, well, for whatever reasons, you know, maybe he didn't want to be captured and paraded and whatever. Yeah. Um, and the other version... Uh, which has never been accepted, highly contested, and there is no direct evidence, is that he was shot either by the people staging the coup who were largely members of the armed forces or he was actually shot by someone working directly for the Americans. And there has never been any evidence for that. Um, so maybe it was 1971. Was, was there not the leader of the army who... Yeah, there was an assassination of the i think it was the head of the armed forces under yeah. there had been a couple of coup attempts which the americans were aware of yeah and according to according to kissinger they realized that these were going to be horribly bungled and uh which i can believe and then the americans said no 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 don't go ahead but in fact they went ahead anyway that's kissinger's story i don't um, know you know i have no evidence to gainsay it yeah so i mean that's what we know. The reason I thought it's sort of interesting to talk about, apart from the fact that they happen on the same day, September the 11th, yeah. um, is that they weirdly echo each other in other ways, in the sense that um, the official figures for the, the number of killed in the attacks on the Twin Traders, the 9-11 that we're all familiar with, mm-hmm. are 2,996 killed if you include the um, terrorists or 2,977 if you don't. And estimates of the injured are between 6,000 and 25,000. And the official figures 
admitted to by Chileans of those who disappeared. So they would have been um, kidnapped, tortured and killed. And and this is 3,000, so almost exactly the same number. And and that figure is... Tortured and killed when? Um, in the Pinochet era, so right, 73 okay. on. So un- under Pinochet. Yeah, what they were called, you know, the, the disappeared. And that number is almost certainly terribly low because they passed laws that that have said, oh, we're going to call an amnesty. They called them the amnesty laws so that no one, there were no more investigations into who did what. Um, but nevertheless, it's almost the same number of death. And then the survivors, the known documented survivors of torture and imprisonment over those years are 40,000. Wow. And again, that's very definitely going to be low. Now, I just want to make it clear that by putting them, suggesting they're an, an analogy, um, it in no way says, well, because America had some involvement in one um, despicable act, that doesn't in any way say, oh, well, then what happened to them is okay, it's payback. That's fatuous, and I would have nothing no. to do with such an argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it is interesting that what happened to America in you know, what we will call 9-11 was a terrorist act. It was one group deciding that it just had the somehow the moral right to inflict horrible damage on civilians with no warning. And whatever America's involvement in the actual death of Allende is, and as I said, there's never been any evidence to actually link them concretely. Nevertheless, America was quite clearly working to overthrow Allende, and they had some involvement. I think at the time, the reason that the leader of the military was identified was that he says that military will not overthrow Allende. I think that's what what happened. Mm. Yeah. If you read Kissinger's, Biography. I've got it in front of me, but at least the first volume. Yeah. Henry Kissinger, The White House Years, which is a monumental brick. And there's a big <laughs> chapter. Um, chapter 17, The Autumn Crises, Chile. Yeah. Um, he, he makes the point that the candidate they'd back for the election and the, the president weren't going to do the things which the Americans hoped they would to cause... Uh, another re-election, another election, and to prevent Allende being inaugurated. Because Kissinger had made it clear, and Nixon said, I don't want, he instructed the CIA to prevent Allende being inaugurated. Yeah. And they were in discussion with various parts of the army, and it was seemed clear that nothing was happening. So they had uh, this two-track thing where they were going to work with people in the, the country um, to try and make sure that Allende wasn't um, inaugurated. And this is despite the fact that he won the election. And then they had another track, which was working with the CIA to say, well, what can we do about this? Yeah. Um, um, and we know all of this because um, of what something called the Church um, Commission, which the Church Committee, which was, uh, I think it was Senator Church. 75, um, there were... There was there'd previously been a big sort of uh, story in the New York Times by the uh, redoubtable Seymour Hirsch. Right. His name came up not so long ago, didn't it? 
Because wasn't it Seymour Hersh who did the thing about the blowing up of the Russian pipeline, the gas pipeline? Was it? I'll have to look that up. Anyway, yeah. Um, Seymour Hersh wrote this, and it was what really made the Church Commission interesting. And the fact there were two other commissions that were set up. It was the JF, I, JFK one, wasn't it? In seventy-five. Yeah. Well, it was all part of the same thing. And yeah. They, they, they were all to do with government operations in intelligence activities. Was sort of the the official name, or that's a. Well, I uh, thought actually, I thought it was it was CIA plots to kill. That would be the unofficial title. <laughs> and it was it was Frank Church, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, there were two others. There was another one called the Pike Committee, and then there was one which was um, sort of unofficially called the Rockefeller Commission, because um, yeah, and that that was after Nixon resigned and Gerald Ford took over, and Nelson Rockefeller was Gerald Ford's vice president. Yeah, so everyone wanted to look at this question, and you can't help but feel that things like the Rockefeller Commission was set up as a spoiling activity. And in fact, the the church committee repeatedly said that they weren't being given the documents that they wanted either by the CIA or by the Rockefeller Commission, which seemed to be at the front of the line. Right. This is, this is all this, sounding very much like um, what I know about um, the JFK thing. There seems to be... Two rather dark, mysterious people that kept names kept on popping up. Um, mm. Alice, Alan Dulles. And, oh, Dulles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And R- yeah Richard yeah. Holmes. Yeah. Well, the, 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 they're the early leaders of American intelligence. Yeah. Um, well, the thing um, that's coming into my, my head at the moment, really, is, is at the time, Kennedy was quoted as saying he doesn't really have control over the CIA, or, or certain parts of the government. I think he was impairing okay. FBI, CIA. Yeah, okay. Well, that's that's what I want to talk about because there's there are now articles that have been coming out in The, the Guardian and books that have been coming out about it. And you know, over the years, I've, I've read various books and people's... There's a couple of really good PhD theses or master's theses that were yeah. written by um, a Chilean... Um, um, academic, and they're really interesting. But there's a bit of the story which uh, I'm aware of, which, as far as I know, has never been in print and is not known to very many people. I m- met someone a long time ago, and I know this person very, very well. Yeah. Uh, and this person was there in the days and uh, weeks before. In Chile Cuba. or the States? Uh, no, in Chile. He was there in, in Chile, um, in Santiago. And this person worked for a British intelligence organization. Uh-huh. Um, there is, within MI6, another intelligence organization, which has, so far as I'm aware, uh, never been avowed. So it is within <laughs> MI6, but has its own uh, command structure and uh, is weirdly in the way that only things can only be in an intelligence organization is entirely separate and independent from MI6. Right. Now, 
what I know about this and what I know about the IND comes from this person who I know. Yeah. Uh, I have no reason at all to doubt what the person yeah. um, has told me. And I do know that the person did work for this intelligence organization um, in part because I was actually briefly for a time in correspondence with his handler and the parliamentary link into this organization. Wow. So there was, a there was a member of parliament who I was in correspondence yeah. with uh, who was the as I said, the, the link from this particular intelligence organization into the House of Commons. And I was in correspondence with this person and this person yeah. said, yes, indeed, the person you're talking to um, is known to me, is, yeah, yeah. part of this organization. Um, so, so do you so know which so way that... I know. Yeah, so that, do, you, do you know how the information flowed? T tell me what you mean by that. Uh, <laughs> Was there a secret organisation informing the House of Commons what to do or what was oh, happening? Yeah. yeah. Or was it the Perfect, other? That, that is the question. What, what came out um, is that the organisation that um, my friend worked for uh, yeah. was working contrary to the um, policy being pursued by MI6. Right. So MI6 is essentially supporting the Americans yeah. in this. And this other organization, um, which my friend worked for... Well, can um, I have to think of a name for your friend? <laughs> yeah, I know, but you're going to you, know, you end up calling him something sort of like Deep Throat or something. Ridiculous. No, I was going to call him Bob. So Bob. Bob, okay. Yeah. Let's call him Bob. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so, um, uh, but I'd like to say that... Uh, His real name's not Bob. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even telling you, you know, um, it may be a she. So, um, okay, just, we'll call him her Bob. Yeah. Bob was there working for this other organization, and Bob's job was to get Allende and his people out. Now, the, the CIA wants rid of Allende and wants rid of his people. And um, so, in some way, one part of British intelligence is working with the Americans on their policy. To get him out. Another, oh, no, another, no. another, yeah. another part of British intelligence is working against the entire thing. Yeah, right. So what I think is really interesting is that the... the the Church Commission and the Rockefeller Commission and what Seymour Hersh brought out was really the first time, I think, that it became clear to the American public that exactly what you were saying, Kennedy was saying, that there were parts of the American apparatus of governance, yeah. the, the secret and part, security. which didn't have any democratic oversight. There was no... The, the democratically elected powers that be didn't know what their own intelligence organisations were doing. So they might have a, 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 a very clear foreign policy that this is what we're doing with a you agree with it or not but then there's a hidden side of it that's going completely against it yes and we, and we know this sort of thing happened because um you know for instance later when we had the, the 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 overthrow in iran carter was pursuing one policy yeah and essentially the state department 
parts of it were working with Ronald Reagan yeah. um, to do quite the opposite. And they were, in fact, uh, blocking what um, Carter's official policy was. So we know this happens. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Ollie North um, saga shows the same. But the Church Commission was the first time this came up, and the Americans suddenly woke up to the idea that parts of their government didn't have any democratic oversight and were doing things which nobody in the government knew, or certainly n n none of their elected officials knew. So it was, it was acting almost as a state within a state. Now, the bit of the story that I know is that the same was happening here. Yeah. I don't know how many of members of the House of Parliament would have been aware that MI6 was helping the Americans, or at least was sympathetic to it. Yeah. And certainly, as far as I know, none of them knew what this other organization was doing. Because had they, MI6, I think, would have stopped them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're suddenly confronted with the notion that when you've got secret intelligence organizations, especially ones with guns yeah. um, and money, they can be doing things which you didn't authorize them to do, but they're using your authority as the elected government. They're using your nation's authority, your the, the power that you gave them, essentially, yeah. to do things that they're not telling you about, they didn't okay with you, and that result in, well, in this case, uh, a whole nation being plunged into decades of um, brutal right-wing dictatorship. Yeah, yeah. So let me tell you what I know from the person yeah, yeah, who Bob. spoke to me. Bob. So this is what Bob told me. Yeah. And, of course, I can't verify it. All I know is that the organization does exist. I also know that I, I talked to David Owen, who became Foreign Secretary a little while later. Yeah. Um, and although David Owen said, well, you know, I wasn't Foreign Secretary while this was going on. Did he know about he it? He didn't know anything about it. Right. Or, rather, I spoke to him in person he said to me, no, I'm not aware of that. Now, one, two things are possible. He really didn't know, yeah. which is slightly odd, a major international thing. He becomes foreign secretary, and when they brief him about what's been going on, he they don't mention it. Yeah, yeah. Or he did know and was just thinking, well, I'm certainly not going to tell this, this <laughs> chap that I'm, you know, which is also quite possible. Um, so Bob was there working for this organization, Bob's job, and he was in charge of this operation, was to get Allende and as many of his people out. Yeah. And um, according to Bob, the majority of Allende's people who did get out got out because of what Bob was doing. Right. Bob ran a, a very large organization, an uh, operation, not organization, and had some help from within um, some elements of the Chile uh, military. Right. And we do know that parts of Chile's special forces were sympathetic to Allende, sort well, of actively yeah, sympathetic. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, I, I was pointing out that the leader of the military that was assassinated, it was, it was because he was sort of saying, no, we're not going to have a coup. Yeah, yeah. So with 73, Ted Heath is Prime Minister, Alec Douglas Hume is Foreign Secretary, Alec Douglas Hume had a long track record of supporting the Americans. He supported them um, in virtually all of their... He supported them at the Bay of Pigs. You know, he, he, he was on their side. He was yeah. well known to be 
very, very anti-communist. So he was very much, I can well foresee that he would have been aware of MI6 and MI, he would have said, fine, yes, chaps, that's what we want to do, we want to support the Americans and get this left-wing fellow out. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and there's a, a good quote from Kissinger, this is, I love this quote, uh, about Ender. He says, I don't see why we, meaning America, need to stand by and watch a country go communist due to the irresponsibility of its people. Nice. Yeah, and by irresponsibility, what he means is... They voted the, for him. Yeah, they voted for him. Yeah. So that, I think, is as pretty clear as it gets. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, the, the the Army Chief of Staff who got did get assassinated was René Schneider. Um, so here we are, Bob's there. Bob said, I said, were the Americans involved? Uh, and he said, well, they were certainly there. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and... Well, it could mean anything. Um, he said, on the day which he arrived, yeah. uh, he said there was another plane on the same tarmac, and uh, he said uh, a whole lot of people with the um, flat-top haircuts and all wearing the same kind of bulgy suits got off, and they all had big hole doors which went clank-clunk when they put them down on the tarmac. <laughs> And that's verbatim what he said to me. But the other, the, the the other interesting thing about that time was the American embassy in Chile didn't know what was going on. Is that right? Well, the the, the ambassador there was as well. I think he knew better than most. Right. Um, um, but the sort of I thought the, they were circumventing the that you know so nobody nobody I suppose there in the country knew exactly what was going to go on to know what to be expected maybe i'm maybe i'm going back to 71 with the assassination of you general yeah they didn't really know who was on their side and who was going to do what yeah but i uh, certainly from kissinger's um uh, account the ambassador was the most clear Right. Uh, but then I think there was a committee, sort of the top intelligence committee, which I think was called the 40 committee. Um, and certainly the, the, the committee which in the State Department, which had oversight of um, South America, were, in Kissinger's terms, very liberal-minded, mind you, of course, Almost anyone is liberal in comparison with old Kissinger. <laughs> so, you know, make of that what you will. But the Americans were there, and Bob gave me to understand that he didn't know whether they were CIA or military, or they could have been well been off the books military that the Americans were um, uh, paying. Uh, yeah. And Bob then ran quite a large operation where there were various routes out of Chile, yeah. which were set up, and they were um, fake. Um, they were all set up, and the idea was that when those trying to overthrow Allende looked to capture them, they would see these escape routes and think, aha, we're onto them, and yeah. in fact, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Bob got them out by other routes, and um, I was also have some photographic evidence because Bob said that 
they got them out by a variety of strange routes, one of which involved help with from Amer the Chilean military, including some planes that then went to a base. And I wasn't clear, I'm not clear now, um, whether that was a, a, a Navy base or a special operations base. But uh, I've seen some photographs of the approach to this place. The, the, um, base, the base being yeah. American or...? Chilean. Chilean, right, okay. Uh, so I, I've, I've also sort of... It, it's weak verification, in other words. I've, I've seen some of the pictures which yeah. Bob took. Um, and Bob said, Allende had said very clearly, I'm not going to get out. I don't want to get out. Yeah. Um, uh, but others did, and... So this British intelligence organization got a lot of um, people out, Allende's people out. Um, and I just think it's something that I had lots of discussions with Bob. I, you know, yeah. have discussions with him over the years um, because I find it difficult that in, none of this appears in the history books. So when when we come to make decisions about, well, if we vote for this party, this is the sort of thing that happens, and, and we voted for this, and this was the consequence. Actually, what's in the history books, what the history, even the history books being published this year, yeah. have missed out this whole part of the story. And so we don't know what the consequences of uh, our actions are. You know, we... we vote for a party and then this happens. So you think, oh, okay, well, that's what happens when you vote for them. Well, that's what happens you know, with this kind of foreign policy. Whereas, in fact, yeah. something else entirely has been going on, which we don't know about. So, I, you know, over the years, I, I argue with Bob regularly, saying, surely you can't run a democracy this way. Yeah. Because the, 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 we don't know what's being done in our name, or at least with the power that we've given the government, and the government then hands out willy-nilly to its um, intelligence organisations and its military. Yeah. Um, I haven't won these arguments necessarily, but <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's why I think it's really important, because I've known this story for a long time and I've always hesitated to say it. Yeah. But I suddenly thought, well, look, it's, it's, this is an important anniversary. If you're going to ever say it, surely now is the moment. So that's why I've chosen to. Yeah. And, you know, as far as the American oper operation is concerned, if you read Kissinger's um, account, they're just smell of roses and honey. They never did anything wrong. He gives you the impression that, you know, they, they, they didn't really spend very much money to try and overthrow A&D. In fact, they spent a huge amount. I think yeah. They spent eight million in the in between 70 and... and um, 73 in you know 1970s money yeah and a big chunk of that right you know up against the the just in that last that last year and it you know he he, he says weird things like you know i'm just trying to find one particular quote for you he, he's saying that it's so strange that they could see that Allende was elected um, democratically, but had made it clear that he was then going to um, um, change those policies, the, the, you know, the sort of the democratic ones, yeah. um, once he got into power. And he sort of says that, well, that's, 
um, would make, he's sort of suggesting that that justifies the American intervention because this man was was not going to be democratic. You know, he said, I will respect the rule of law, but, you know, we, we know as soon as he gets in, he's going to change his mind. And I thought to myself, well, yeah, that's true. But then, you know, if you're, if you're really um, saying, well, this is why we needed to intervene because it's terrible that this man would do this, um, the strange thing is that when... Pinochet gets into power, he suspends the rule of law, he suspends parliament, he outlaws other parties, and he engages on kidnappings, tortures, and assassinations. Yeah. Now, the Americans will say, well, you know, we we didn't, um, we had quite strict embargoes against Pinochet because we didn't like him. Yeah, but they weren't there trying to overthrow him. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm because they were very clearly trying to overthrow Allende. And justifying it says, oh, Kistiwa, you know, he wasn't going to be a Democrat. He was going to suspend all these lovely liberal yeah. things which were in favour of. Pinochet uh, does the same, and they, they're happy with Pinochet, you know, lives a long time and, you know. I'm, I'm, str I'm struggling with why they looked at Allende as being... Uh, he was democratically elected. He ran programmes like giving milk away to, to people who were starving. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can't see what a threat he was to. Well, he. Um, Apart from the fact he was communist, you know, <laughs> that's a terrible threat. Well, that that is it. Um, I mean, that's essentially what it boils down to. Um, you know, Kissinger says we just couldn't really reconcile ourselves to uh, having another communist country in the the southern hemisphere. So he's talking about Cuba. Exactly. Yeah. Which, and of course, there were close links between Cuba and Allende. Yeah. I mean, lots of, you know, his personal bodyguard were trained in Cuba and the Cubans had very close uh, um, links to them. But then he was also going to nationalize. And again, um, Kissinger says, oh, no, nationalization is not the problem. We have no problem with nationalization <laughs> <laughs> as long as um, we're uh, properly compensated. Whereas um, Allende said, well, we're going to withdraw from all kinds of international um, agreements. Yes, yeah. we don't, we're not going to feel bound by them and we're going to nationalise them. And they weren't going to. Yeah, um, yeah. So they, they nationalised um, copper, right. um, which was their major export at the time. And then they were nationalising the telecoms, which at that time was run by the American corporation ITT, International Telephone and Telegraph, which it was well known at the time and has been documented since, were feeding all the intercepts of Chilean telephony to American oh, intelligence organizations. Right. Yeah. So these days, you know, Americans will say we can't have Huawei involved because... Chinese. So, yeah. yeah. We can't but have TikTok the, because... The, yeah. <laughs> go on and on. Yeah. But when the Chileans said, well, we don't want ITT spying on us, the Americans didn't like that. Yeah. Um, so... The Americans, we don't know, there's no evidence that the Americans shot him. And we don't know, other than what Bob told me, um, whether there were Americans on the ground who were bringing arms in and part of that insurrection. Um, but they certainly made it very clear they wanted to overthrow Allende and they did everything they could to crash the economy. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to tell this story because I think... It's a very difficult thing in a democracy when there are parts of your organ of your 
of the power structure of your country, which use the power, the money, the authority that you've given your government, and even your government's not aware of it, or at least not all of your government. There's no there's no democratic oversight. Yeah. And things are being done in your name or with the power that you've given out, which have massive consequences. You know, 40,000 Chileans yeah. were kidnapped. Lots of them were tortured and uh, killed. And their bodies dumped in graves or, or flown in a helicopter. Famously, they used to get a helicopter which used to fly over the Pacific and dump bodies. And in fact, that helicopter is in Great Britain. And there's a bit of a hoo-ha because the Chileans want it back. Wow. Um, because it's a notorious and important part of the history. And, you know, we don't know about it. It's not It's not in the history books. Any history book you pick up, any, any popular or academic study you have of Chile, it doesn't contain the story I just told you. Now, you could say Bob just made all of this up, but I don't think so. Um, I have no reason to believe so, and I know that the organization that Bob worked for exists and has never been avowed by the British government. And I think there are real dangers for any democracy when parts of its power structure are not accountable. Yeah. And it's not it's not James Bond in the shadows um, working for us. It's, it's somebody in the shadows working for somebody, but not necessarily you. And this is um, on page 658 of Kissinger's, um, the first volume of his memoirs, the, the one called The White House Years. Yeah. And I think this is chilling because remember, Kissinger is was always Nelson Rock was always Rockefeller's man. Yeah. Um, Rockefeller set up the Council of Foreign Affairs, uh, which is still there and is probably the most important, the most powerful non-government U.S. foreign policy think tank. Um, and Kissinger was Rockefeller's man and always has been. And in fact, this the, he dedicates the book to Nelson Rockefeller. <laughs> and Nelson Rockefeller was the person who was in charge of the committee set up by Gerald Ford. Yeah. Which the Church Commission then said, oh, hang on, this is going to be a whitewash. Um, this is what he says on in page 658. I'm just going to read you a quote. Okay. Um, he says, paradoxically, American intervention in the domestic affairs of other countries has multiplied and become less discriminating since the covert operations of the CAA have come under attack. By under attack, he means the Church Commission. Yeah. He goes on, the earlier, quote, Cold War period of CIA activities observed certain limits. Its criteria... <laughs> no, <laughs> well, no, yeah. no, no, yeah, go, keep going, sorry. Hang on, it's, get, it's getting worse. Its criteria were foreign policy and national security dangers to the United States, of which there were not that many. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Allende was considered one. The new doctrine justifies unlimited intervention to promote internal change in countries that are both friend and foe. Wow. It has been directed against countries that do not threaten our national security and that may indeed be allies of the United States. Now, this is Henry Kissinger, yeah. who, by any stretch of the imagination, is not 
a left-wing firebrand. Okay. Yeah. Uh, copyright 1979. So this is what he wrote I, in 1979. Yeah, I was going to say, when was that written? Because you mentioned the Bay of Pigs, and, and one of the ideas that they had there was the to, to fly a drone aeroplane that was empty. Um, yeah. And play a tape recording of well we're under attack and then it, and then blow it up i mean it, you know there's well and the the the, the business of it against castro just became so ridiculous that the stories are just legion of one piece of of idiocy after another and what was set up after the church commission was the national endowment for democracy the ned um and very explicitly, um, the very first people who were in this newly, newly set up National Endowment for Democracy, they very clearly said we were set up to take over all of the um, actions which the CIA had been chastised for. So we weren't there to assassinate people, but we were there to do all of the all of the other things which are part of destabilizing a country we don't like and bringing about regime change. And they were very clear about it, and they still do it. And this is what, you know, in 1979, Kissinger was saying, yes, and now we, it's become less, much less discriminate. So the, the things that Ned will do, for instance, is if you have, let's pick a country, and I'm making this up, um, well, let's, uh, let's, let's pretend Guatemala or somewhere, Yeah. and some land rights organization of peasants springs up saying, uh, we want, we don't like some big foreign mine polluting our rivers, right? Yeah. Or, or a, a labour organisation which says that the, the, the workers should own the means of their own production. The NED will go in, National Endowment for Democracy, and create a parallel organisation, one that is yeah. on the surface the same thing, but which will be, they will recruit people who are much less um, radical, who will say things like, "Oh no, no, we don't, we don't think we should nationalise the mine. We just think we should have a chat to the um, <laughs> the very nice owners." Or, "No, no, no, we don't think that our rivers are being polluted. We'd just like someone to come and dig us a couple of wells, and that would be lovely." Yeah. And they will then provide this parallel organisation with lots of funding, lots of T-shirts, and you know, money for handing out of food to the locals to bribe people they will make sure that a tame a journalist in a tame newspaper or a tame um uh media outlet gives lots of attention to yeah. this new organization and so that new organization with its new much more american friendly aims will become the, the established organization the other one will wither and yeah. no one will ever hear of it that's what they do and they're very clear about what they do yeah and you've got You've got it from Henry Kissinger's own pen that this they now do this to friend as well as foe. I know I've gone on about this, but the reason that I've thought to speak about it really is just because I just can't reconcile myself to the idea that it's okay to have some part of my government thinking it's okay to just assassinate people yeah that it doesn't like. And you, and you can't just sort of comfort yourself by saying, oh, yeah, but they you know, they're just going to get rid of dreadful, awful people. But I, that's, and, a, that's the point I was making. Ian Dyes wasn't, he, he wasn't the terrible person. No, no, he wasn't. He was, A, duly elected. I mean, they'll say, oh, well, he only got 36% of the vote. Still. That number, 
reminds me of Mrs. Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was elected by much more. And in the midterm elections running up to it, um, his vote was actually going up. Yeah. So there isn't any good um, evidence to say, oh, well, the Chilean people had suddenly realized they'd made a horrible mistake. No, the Chilean middle class were as opposed to him as they ever were because they could see that he was going to help the poorer um, people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and gosh, God forbid that should happen. No. Um, and, you know, as you said, they got rid of someone who was duly elected, who was trying to return to the Chilean people the natural wealth of their own um, country, yeah. which is not that different to the oil shock. Yeah. And they had done everything they could do to destabilize Allende and the Chilean economy. They stopped all of their own loans, fair enough. They blocked anything going through the IMF because they had a veto on that. They blocked it going through, I forget what it's called, the Inter-American International Reconstruction Bank or something like that, yeah. which they also had a veto on. Um, they pressured all of, our, of America's allies to similarly, like they did with Cuba, to stop trading with them. So they did everything they could. Now, they didn't do all of that for Pinochet. Yeah. So they may say, oh, well, we, you know, we... We didn't approve and we didn't help him. Bollocks. And, and, and I mean, at the core of, of uh, a logical reason for them to do that to Iron Day is the fact that they had investments in Chile. Yes, they did. Um, it was a combination of things. They didn't like the, the Allende nationalizing and simply, you know, what they would call expropriating American wealth, which he was because he, he wasn't paying them top dollar for it. He was just, he was um nationalizing stuff yeah um and they didn't like the fact that he was avowedly um a marxist leninist and you know said i i want to to support the kind of program that che Guevara was was trying to do yeah in other words to bring about a a, a liberation he was quite clear about it a, a, a liberation of central and south american countries from what he felt was american dominance but once once a part of the government is given that kind of undemocratic freedom, then it will get rid of people like Allende. Um, and you know, this again, this is this is Kissinger saying Allende's re-election was a challenge to our national interest. We did not find it easy to reconcile ourselves to a second communist state in the Western Hemisphere. We were persuaded, persuaded that it would soon be inciting anti-American policies. Uh -huh. At attacking hemisphere solidarity, making common cause with Cuba. Yeah. Attacking, when they say attacking hemisphere solidarity, what they mean is attacking US he hegemony. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different thing. Are we seeing something similar happening in Africa with, well, there's a lot of Chinese investment in Africa. Yeah. Also through um, Wagner, there's a lot of. The Chinese are buying the same kind of influence in the same kind of way in uh, in South America and in Africa that the Americans did in their time. Yeah. You, know, you you put in investment or you build a factory or you make a loan and none of these things come for free. No, no. Um, I think what will be interesting, very interesting, um, will be what happens if we get a second round of African and South American liberation movements, the way you did from the 50s onwards, yeah. where people, leaders came up in these countries saying, this is neocolonialism, we ought to um, 
have the control over our own natural resources. They've been given away or bought up for a pittance and one way or the other, um, we've traded our, our independence, our destiny for debt. Was that, was, that, was that what happened with Patrice Lubumba? Yes, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, you know, and... The same string, the same people pulling the same strings in the background as well. Well, I mean, quite possibly. It's difficult to say for sure, obviously. Um, but <laughs> one of the things the church report found, um, you know, that is that one of the CA, the CA did have a, a, a covert program called Family Jaws, which was to covertly assassinate foreign leaders. Right. You know, it doesn't get any clearer than that. Does no, it? that's kind of quite um, clear. Yeah. Yeah. So we know that they, and we know that there are examples that they did. Um, you know, out in sort of um, Southeast Asia. So did they do it in other places? Well, yeah. according to their program, they were trying to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and when Kissinger says, well, now it's less, I mean, it's that quote from Kissinger, which is the one we should listen to, because he's saying it become, since 79, and we're a long way from 79, it's become less discriminate, and we now do it to our friends. So, would it be outrageous? Would it be just, uh, you know, a conspiracy theory to think that that kind of attitude, surely one of the organisations which people like the NED or people involved in that kind of, we've, we've got to interfere in the internal politics and essentially overthrow things, mm -hmm. in, even in our friends, surely the environmental movement, surely the Green movement, the Green Party, yeah. would be a prime example of somewhere where they'd say, right, we, we've got, if, if they look like they're going to get any traction, if anyone's going to listen to them and they're going to have some kind of radical policy, we which, need to either, yeah, we need to either infiltrate them or set up something in power, which we give right. much more funding and much more publicity to. But then we soften it. Yeah. I mean, if people are starting to listen about um, climate change, surely um, we can't let COP, the COP meetings be a, you know, a hotbed of real, um revolutionary environmental change we've just got to take it over yeah yeah yeah. we should have meetings in a place called demos which you know <laughs> the demos meetings not in demos it's demos meeting you know and demos is meant to you know it, it's the greek for the people yeah well i don't think there were any of the people at the demos meeting <laughs> well i think democracy is of the people yeah and apparently if you um what was it he said if you act irresponsibly and choose the wrong candidate they feel it's fine to get rid of said candidate there you go so we've raised some possible questions for people yeah it doesn't seem to me to be a bad thing no very good my hands turn to jelly <laughs> <laughs> all right see you on the next one thanks david well thanks for listening if you enjoyed it um Write us a response, ask us a question. Um, you can go to the Substack um, for Hyperland and leave whatever questions or ideas you've got there. We'd love to hear from them. Thanks very much. <laughs>